Hi, I'm Andy Murray. Welcome to It's a Customer's World podcast. Now more than ever, retailers and brands are accelerating their quest to be more customer-centric. But to be truly customer-centric, it requires both a shift in mindset and ways of working, not just in marketing, but in all parts of the organization. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with practitioners, thought leaders, and scholars to hear their thoughts on what it takes to be a leader in today's customer-centric world. On this episode, I have with me Brenda Malloy. Brenda is the president of Herbert Mines Associates, where she works with leading retailers at the senior-most levels to assemble winning leadership teams. Brenda primarily recruits board directors, CEOs, and their direct reports for multi-unit, customer-facing companies. Brenda brings over 38 years of experience to Herbert Mines Associates. During her career, she has authored numerous articles on CEO succession, omni-channel leadership, in addition to being the featured speaker at the National Retail Federation. In today's episode, Brenda and I will talk about her experience with recruiting CEOs and chief customer officers. Through this, we will explore the increasing importance of a customer-centric CEO, the characteristics of an impactful and effective chief customer officer, and the steps that students can take to be on the path to becoming a CCO. So I am so pleased to be here today with Brenda Mallory, uh, who is an awesome uh, resource and, and thought leader, really, in a lot of ways, but really has tuned into the top of organizations in her recruiting and her experience in recruiting for many, many years. And so, Brenda, thank you for joining me today. Andy, a pleasure. And this is a topic that I'm really passionate about. You and I have talked a lot about it. And, you know, kind of the time is now in terms of this role. And we play, as you know, at the top of the house. Uh, we do about 110 projects a year at Herbert Mines Associates. 68% of those are in the C-suite. And what I'd say is the chief customer officer role is the CEO feeder role. I mean, the time is now as we're looking to fill the CEO um, seat, we need these types of leaders, customer obsessed, focused on how to drive growth, digitally fluent, digitally savvy, but more importantly, proven leader who can come up and drive a consumer centric company. So it's just, it's a great topic. Well, you know, it's not always been that way. And I think if you look back over time, uh, I don't know what the stats say, but uh, this still feels fairly new in terms of the role of chief customer officer and what actually might be their trajectory to the top. I, I find it amazing you're getting briefs for the CEO that has this kind of background underneath it, but I'd be interested in your perspective on, you know, is that you've been doing this quite a while, a newer phenomenon, what might be driving that, and just where did this come from all of a sudden? Great point. And it, it is, you know, kind of, it's a slow um, emerge. So in preparing for this discussion, just doing a little bit of thinking of, you know, and what we've observed, and then just going back and getting some data in 2003, there were 30 chief customer officers worldwide. Wow. So 17 years ago in 2010, there were 450 worldwide and in 2014, so six years ago, 10% of the Fortune 500 companies, 22% of Fortune 1000 companies had it. So it's really, I think, over the past, say, seven years, we've seen this evolve into this new role 
building on it, evolving, and then playing out. So a great example of that would be in 2013, Michelle Goss. We placed her as the chief customer officer of Kohl's. Kevin Manzel, CEO at the time, you know, had reached an inflection point saying, A, I need a CEO successor, and B, we've stalled. I mean, we had a Kohl's playbook that was about going from, you know, a billion to 20 billion, 100 stores, you know, IPO to 1,000, and we had that execution down pat, but who are we as a brand? And so how do we take and create a new broader thinking, you know, chief marketing officer. And so as we started working together on this solve, we came up with this chief customer officer title that was kind of emerging. And Michelle, fascinating leader, classically trained, in fact, probably worked with Jim Stengel way back when at Procter during her early times, and then came up through Starbucks, had been through transformation, battle-tested, worked with Howard on that 2008 turnaround of Starbucks, was sitting in Europe. So classically marketing, you know, marketing route up, expanded beyond with the GM skill set, and had a passion for fashion. And so we placed her into the role. Initially, she had marketing and digital and then built beyond that. And in 2018, got the nod to step into the Cole CEO role. But no question, she's transformed that company into more of a customer-centric entity. Wow, what a great success story. I mean, that, that is a, an amazing path that she's had as a career. And if you think about the career paths to get to a chief customer officer role, and you've seen quite a few, probably I would say that the marketing, traditional marketing branding, but it does seem like the dot-com space, digital pure plays is also a feeding ground for, for you to, or a hunting ground for you. I mean, where do you go hunting for people with the kind of backgrounds that might be successful or what are the key criteria that gets you to get a sense that this candidate really has that thing that makes them a great chief customer officer? No, that's a great question. There's no better example than you and your background. <laughs> so I hate to put you on the spot, but I mean, if we look at, you know, who embodied what this role is, it's your background at scale. So why, you know, I guess we have to take a step back and say, why is it so hard? And when you look at the data, 64% of companies with a customer-centric CEO are more profitable. Okay, wow, so that's an, I had never heard that stat before. That that's it's, an amazing stat. It is an amazing stat, and you know we've talked about being customer focused and customer centric and customer obsessed and customer, customer, customer. Why has it been so hard? Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, taking a step back, the org structure hasn't supported it. So mm-hmm. we've had these kind of functionally narrow roles that create fiefdoms. Human nature plays out, and the only way the chief customer officer can be successful is if it's fully integrated. You know, one understanding of the customer, how does that inform how we are going to engage with that customer? Touch points, digitally, channels, that's not easy to do. So, no, no, it's not. I, I do think that's really true. I do think the customer language has been in vision, statement, values, and all that. And it's been a, an approach, a philosophy of, of 
being customer minded and, but there was never really a, a transaction. Two things I think were missing. One, the methods to integrate the organization weren't there and the organizational design wasn't supporting it, as you said. But what I'm seeing happen with agile and agile technology and being able to uh, think about product management differently with the digital and physical seamless, that seamless desire has really accelerated it through COVID as well. I mean, just more recently, we're seeing a lot of people's customer experience getting reinvented online uh, for some of the companies I've talked to has been accelerated. They've hit their eight-year roadmap targets for transition in just a short amount of time. So so that, that convergence of people that are really good at product development and online experiences are now right up against that. And so for you to understand it transactionally, it's, right. it's a whole nother ball game than just saying, I understand it philosophically. So I think they're looking to the chief customer officer to say, how do you take these digital experiences and combine them to physical? And you think about Kohl's and others that are pulling those two worlds together. I think that's also probably accelerated. It's now becoming real. You have to do this today. Well, you have to. I mean, it's, it's table stakes. And so how does the org structure, so the org structure has been evolving. So it takes a CEO that's willing to say, we need to do this. This is, you know, new world order. So, and how do you, how do we become more agile to your point? How do we move off of, and we have in many ways, um, and I have a very, you know, retail product centric view, but from that to a market point of view, to a customer, and what does that mean? And we've got all these new tools that are trying to help us do what? Sophisticated mass marketing with a distinctive brand. And so if we go back to that's kind of what drives, you know, top bottom line sales, that drives customer traffic, that drives stickiness, how do we do that? So it's, a, it's an exciting time, you know, to see this happening and COVID has accelerated. So people that have been bold, decisive, strategic, um, collaborative, pulling it together, we will do this. And you can see the numbers coming out. I mean, it's fascinating to see some of these sectors and what they're doing. So I'd say the evolution of this role is real. It's come from piecemeal to integrated, aligned, and bold. Yeah, well, you say bold, that's a really interesting word because one of the things I've found from doing the job is that you have to have a lot of conviction. And that word conviction has to come through because a lot of times you might be proposing ideas and such to improve the customer experience, but there isn't a solid ROI business case yet developed as much as other ideas you would have around e-commerce or do this to improve the speed of the website or the shopping cart. But to really fight for the things that matter to the customer, it takes a lot of conviction to do that. And when you're assessing candidates, how do you suss out they have that conviction. What do you look for to see they've got that boldness that you're at, you're talking about? No, absolutely. So, and I, and I would look at, again, you know, why were you so successful in your role? One, mm-hmm. enterprise level mindset. I mean, this role requires more than any, which again, preps you to be a CEO, is having that enterprise level mindset. Being a collaborator, an integrator, an influencer, strong EQ, IQ, how do you bring the group along and move them forward? So leadership in its most defining you know, way. And so a lot of it is understanding what did you do? You know, proven results. 
this is all about results. I mean, this role is about driving results. And we've seen the stats with, you know, companies that have a CEO-focused leader are doing better. You know, it's often, uh, Brendan, people look at roles that have a line responsibility with clear P&L as the path to the CEO job and that leadership skill of collaboration really with a chief customer officer role, as I have found, there's a lot of soft power influence to get everybody to come along on the journey because you, you're not going to, you're not going to run everything that touches right. the customer in your remit. That's the CEO. Right. I mean, right. that is the CEO's job, but what you can do is through collaboration and soft power, help people along on that journey. And I've, I've always felt soft power skills were harder to get and should be more valued sometimes than what, you know, a, just a pure line functional role might be. Not that you don't have to be collaborative there too, but when you really are trying to influence areas that have maybe competing KPIs in, right. in what they're after versus what you need to deliver for the customer, you have to have soft skills. What you have to, and you have to have confidence and you have to have an ego in check. You have to not feel like you are constantly having to prove yourself or be the smartest person in the room. How does the collective group move forward? How do you align around what is important and how you're going to go to market? How do you build capability in terms of, you know, step one, step two, step three, and sequence it and really be the leader to drive your peers, you know, to this. So well, it's interesting. You, you, you know, you're talking about the horizontal relationship and then, and then upward as a partner to the CEO. One of the things I think that can be terrifying for a chief customer officer that might have come up through traditional marketing is the level of sophistication and, comp- and SME-ness, if you will, in some of the areas that's going to be in your direct scope. For example, uh, what is a customer data lake and how does that work? data analytics, thinking about algorithms and, and areas of technology that are not really maybe something you grew up with as a brand manager in a CPG role, uh, but now you're overseeing those areas. And, and I think this ability to piece the dots together, but not get lost in the, in the, or be afraid of the technology that's underneath you that you have to kind of assemble and do. And so you, none of that was what you just described, which is good. Right. You described character, integrity of leadership, the conviction you have and the ability to collaborate, but also the ability, I think, looking down to assimilate what's the really thing I need to know and to be right. able to guide and right. not say, well, gee, I'm, I don't have a computer data science background, so therefore I'll never be able to lead a customer data transformation or whatever is involved in the scope. No, absolutely. So I think it's um, valuing the team and, and probably now more than ever, it's so how. Ha- how are we going to engage with our customer? What is appropriate for our brand? What do we want to do in understanding that? And where's your level of expertise? And it is likely coming up through marketing. Mm-hmm. You've likely had digital report into you. You've likely worked in a very close way with technology, but you don't have to have every answer. You know how to build the right team to get the right answers. And maybe you need to ask the questions, but you don't have to be the expert. So how do you build that foundational training, exposure? If I was thinking about how would I advise someone coming up or or any of your students, intern, 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 intern. That's great. You know, with the best companies and go with a brand 
data-driven companies, tech-driven companies, data science, AI, what is out there? So you can get exposure to the broad remit and then have a perspective in terms of, okay, here are all the tools that are out there. Now, where's my power alley? How am I going to build into this? Because there are different approaches. Yeah, well, it sounds like you probably are looking now as a recruiter for these spaces, these these briefs, probably things you weren't looking for 10 years ago. The fact they may have worked in a call center and really, you know, as an intern or somewhere on that career path. And so sounds like the breadth of of experiences across right. that customer journey yeah. uh, is more valuable than 15 years in, you know, brand management, marketing director, the traditional yeah. path that's really just stayed in that lane. Is that, is that a true statement? I would say that the more, so having, you know, great um, foundational experience, rotating through and seeing a breadth of functions, seeing big and best to small and agile. How does that work? So building a suite of um, experiences in your toolkit and then understanding the functions and what good looks like. So, so the more you can expose yourself to best in class, you'd say, well, why is this such a challenge? So, you know, yeah. a lot of people have to call a recruiter. <laughs> you know, if this was so easy, it's not easy. Not a lot of companies are doing this. They want to do it. They're doing a little bit of it. They think they're doing it, but there's a huge degree of variability in terms of how this is playing out in the marketplace. Well, that, that um, is, that's really a true, true statement. And one of the things I hear a lot of is I've been uh, into this role for the uh, customer centric leadership initiative is where should the customer experienced people, people that are really focused on that, you know, where should they sit in the organization? Should you at a board level have a chief customer officer and a chief marketing officer just to keep those separate? And my belief is no. I agree. Yeah. So I, when you're getting briefs and talking with CEOs, part of what you do, which I think is brilliant, is you do try to advise what should the brief really be that'll fit into that top level team? And how do you make the case that it should be really an expanded view of a marketing function than a, a whole nother piece of the organization? That's such a great question. So I think it starts with what's the strategy? What do you want to accomplish? What does good look like? What's the vision? Let's take that back to the current structure. What are the capabilities you have today? Who's doing what? Where are the weak points? Where are the strong points? And then how do we build into this? So a lot of this, it's a journey. You know, every search is a journey. And, you know, it starts with that anchor around, here's where I want to go, and let's talk about where I am today and what I'm looking for. And then building into, well, this is how that could play out. So there's different you know, ways it could play out in terms of different executives and what they bring to the table. And so you're, you're threading the needle on new structure, different sets of experiences with different pros and cons associated with that, plus, oh, by the way, culture and fit, which is the most important. Yes. So you're just going through that um, solution to say, okay, how does that play? It's, in many ways, it's a what-if scenario, and how do you work through that? So it's not black and white. It's definitely evolves as you go through it, but you've got to stay focused on 
what does good look like? I love that. I love that. And being really clear about the outcome. You know, one of the things that I hear a lot and have experienced is the importance of having empathy as a chief customer officer and that empathy word, which leads to really understand that customer behavior and have an empathy for the customer and then which probably fuels conviction. How can you tell if a leader that you're recruiting is empathetic? That is, I, I love this. And I was just on a call, yes, a status call yesterday talking about this. So this is an $8 billion brand. 30% of the customer base is Hispanic and multicultural. So this client would say empathy for the consumer is key. And so much so that we've gone through and identified. So out of 146 target companies, there were only 16 Latinx black executives in the C-suite. It's just astounding. So we on this project have talked to 32 Latinx black executives and just hearing from them what, you know, their backgrounds, multicultural, where have they come from? And yesterday on the call, the client said, you know what? I want to tell you why empathy is important. It's because we need to really understand this customer and we're criticized that we don't. So we need to be authentic and we need to be, we're curious, we're passionate and the CEO is a fascinating individual, but what is empathy? Is empathy really it? Is it the authentic understanding of this is working, this isn't working, and how are we as an organization really going to do that? So how do we find out if a client or a candidate is? It's the way they talk about their set of experiences, how they approached it, how they understood what was the right you know, path, what was why did they do this? You know, I saw this, why do I, I connected in this way. I led in this way. This is how I built culture. So it is that passion, curiosity, authenticity. That's fascinating. And if you were looking at it from just sometimes what you read or what you see are the best attributes to be a, a good chief customer officer, one could say that being an expert at data analytics, because now with customer and big data, being able to draw insights out of data to uh, advance the right idea uh, is the most important piece. But to be honest, I've not seen a new idea that really resonates with customers coming out of algorithms. It still has to come out of a human-centered approach to life. And I think that's good news for most of us who may you know, not be a data scientist to be able to do that. And it's also probably the customer data world will get you good insights, but the real truth still sits through human interaction, human understanding. Uh, most of the customer data sets and things I see don't, cre- don't have inside it or things that really make us human, the creativity, the ideas, the, the, the passion. Curiosity, the passion. Yeah. So I, th- I, I could not agree with you more. So it is empathy for the customer. So many times we've seen people come in, whether it's a chief marketing officer, or chief merchandising officer, whatever, fire the customer. I think it should be this. I think it should be that. And not really saying, who is my customer? So customer journey, what is the journey? How are they engaging with the brand, not my brand, mm-hmm. the brand? 
and you know what's resonating what isn't and how do i understand what they want and how i can solve their problem you know so that piece of it so passion curiosity um energy and authenticity around who the customer is and how that influences what you're doing well that that's really interesting too because i think one of the stops i might suggest making as a student is behavioral economics what's the psychology anthropologist you know yes. people that understand how yeah. to um, how cultures work how communities work uh, those to me i think are huge assets in this new space they're incredible assets and and i've actually interviewed two um, people that are sitting in customer experience roles right now with that early anthropology experience and they're just fascinating the way they look at the world and their set of experiences and how that's helped them be successful. So I could not agree with you more. Now going back to reality and the challenges of sitting in my seat. So I'd say there are three, not a lot of companies doing it. Um, high degree of variability, roles, levels, and capabilities. And then out-of-sector experience. So we all like to say, oh, you know, cast a wide lens. They could come from anywhere. But retail likes retail. Hospitality mm -hmm. hospitality. QSR, QSR. Where there's different aspects, like the customer journey is so well understood in hospitality. How do we do more of that in retail? And so how do we look at this broad, um, you know, customer-facing sector uh, and and build a toolkit across. So who gets referenced as I think about companies, you look at what Domino's did way back when with the our pizza sucks and now they've got this incredible digital engagement with the way they understood the customer journey, infused digital and insights in to get their business back on track. So an example of kind of early on, an early on innovator who had a tough challenge to how they turn it around and infuse digital. That the digital piece is key. Is key. And are you seeing from a CPG side, because a lot of times we think about marketing, we look to CPG companies as, especially like the Procter and & Gamble's and, and such, as leading the way in transforming the next generation of marketing, which you know, maybe true in a lot of ways, but today it feels like maybe hospitality or organizations that are right up against the large customer interface on a daily basis, yeah. uh, retail, right. we might see that provide some ground for how this should be reinvented and maybe have some of these broader, more innovative briefs that you're seeing. I don't know. Are, are you starting to see CPG and brand, you think of marketing, brand building type companies like that? Are they starting to see this idea of cheap customer and customer experience is so high? That is such a great question, Andy. And I look back and I just say kind of let's look at, at real people and what they're doing. So in companies, so Ulta, Ulta Beauty, no question, you know, knockout success. Mary Dillon, when we put her in as CEO in 2013, stock price was 99. It's upwards of, you know, wherever it is, mid twos right now. It's hit, you know, threes at some point. And why is Mary so successful in that role? And in a role typically where people might have said, we're opening 200 stores a year and we need someone that could do more of that better. Where what Mary brought was kind of Ulta 2.0. And she brought a customer-centric view. She brought digital engagement, brands, um, a store experience. She is out in the stores and passionate about the customers 
built the right loyalty program, you know, to get customers interested. And so her background was classic CPG, um, came up and then was at McDonald's as the CMO, went over to um, U.S. Cellular, which there's no more fast moving, changing company than technology and being in that business. And then we pulled her out of U.S. Cellular into Ulta. So battle tested, different models, classically trained, understood brands, very strategic, huge IQ, EQ, but empathy for the customer, you know? So she has, so a lot of Michelle, classically trained CPG. You could look at Stuart Aiken. I looked at his, he was just promoted to the chief merchandising officer at Kroger. Stuart was a data guy. He was at Safeway when Brian Cornell was out there. And Brian Cornell, obviously at Target, doing great things, turning Tar- Target into, you know, bringing the Target exactly. back to the Target. And they did a lot around insights. So Safeway with their Just For You and that early data. Stuart then went to Michael's. We put it into Dunhumby. And so, as you know, the Tesco Club Card, Dunhumby. Sure. So- we put in to run Dunhumby US. He then they were bought by Kroger eighty four fifty one. So here's a data guy that's now the chief merchant. So reverse engineering, I don't know, but it was great to see that placement. Well, that's interesting because it would have been career suicide for someone to try to get a lot of horizontal, like you wouldn't take another assignment unless it was a step up, right? This right. was the old rhetoric that right. you want to build your career by every step being a, a step higher right. in the ranks. Although, and many companies, I know from my experience at P&G, was a promote from within culture. Right. So when you stepped out, you, you know, they weren't bringing people in at the top levels. Right. Now, I think that's changed. Yeah. I think that's changed. But what I hear you saying, which is very encouraging, is building your career sometimes takes Taking these horizontal steps with the long view in mind that what you're building is is a broad experience space that will make you much more salient for the bigger jobs down the road. That is not the kind of thinking and, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago would have got you to the top. But, right. but it, you see what I'm saying? How, how are no, you saying? Yeah. It's building that toolkit. So, That's right. and it's helping as a recruiter, helping um, your clients see and take a competency-based view. You know, here's the set of experiences that someone has gained. And so using Mary as an example, you know, in CPG, at McDonald's, at U.S. Cellular, and here's how this could help Ulta. And helping them think beyond sector. Yeah, so when you're looking, you evaluate loads and loads of candidates. It sounds like you would put a value on someone that had what looked like some horizontal moves, but but absolutely was building a breadth of experiences over looking at that with a critical eye saying, well, they're just not advancing. Right. So you could say what set of skills now? It's a given that they delivered results. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I get that. But in all their experiences, but what toolkit have they been able to build? So many times there's a lot of private equity roles out there or roles in small mid cap companies where going, having that big foundational experience going to small is critical. A lot of clients will say, I don't want somebody out of X, Y, Z. I want them once removed, which means they have, you know, they're outside of the big formula, the P and G formula, the target formula, the Walmart formula, whatever it is with all those resources to say, I'm in a smaller situation 
with less resources. So I've really got to make the right decision. Well, that's that's really interesting because I came from you know the Walmart assignment before I went to a you know, huge company, of course, in marketing, and then taking a, a this assignment on an island of a much much smaller with less decimal right. places, but so rich in breadth that it really did round me out in ways I never would have been able to get you know, in a large company like that. So there is some real value going large to small to broaden that skill set base. Right. And build complexity. So you could say, you know, large is typically more functionally narrow. Small is going to give you, generally speaking, more breadth. And so a lot of times with companies at scale, it's another zero doesn't make someone 10 times smarter. In fact, they're probably less agile and right. want to be made with less scale, more breadth, full P&L, you know, and they've seen how all the functions play together and they've led and built capability. So, have you found it difficult for candidates that have been in a, grown up more in like a pureplay.com or most of their experiences there how does that sometimes translate to like a Coles or some other example? Because it's such a different ecosystem of challenges. And, totally different. And where do you see the people having the hardest time crossing over to some of those different types of crossovers? Well, that's such a great point. <laughs> so they're almost like the wild, wild west. They're out there kind of untethered. Let's go the endless aisle yeah. and, you know, hugely entrepreneurial. And so, yes, they are fearless, they have courage, they are optimistic. So bringing them into a larger, more corporate environment, you've got to have the right sponsor to kind of tame this person and get them challenged into, here's, or channeled into um, the organization. So they need air cover in terms of how to navigate in a, we'll call it resource constrained, probably situation where there are larger priorities and their priority might be third on the list of other priorities. So how do we help harness that, keep them engaged and then help them transcend? They'll be a better executive. You just described reality, I think 10 times over when you talk about that culture shift where a chief customer type role in a pure play is going to be a very serious role with a lot of clout to push things into some of these larger corporations where it's fair, it's more new, more nuanced. You've got to use your influence skills, soft power, collaboration, like you said, empathy. Uh, it, it, so I would encourage someone to try it, but you, you're right. They've got to have a great sponsor. Otherwise um, they'd have to watch their back uh, on the way to the parking lot at night. Yeah. Maybe go out in a pack. Because you need, yeah, exactly. You need to work with people. So it is so that whole facilitation, integration, influencing, almost kind of dropping breadcrumbs to get people to go where you want them to go, but be excited about it and want to work with you. You know, Mm. and I would argue that's why you have been so successful. I mean, a lot of hard, yeah, I've learned the hard way on a lot of those. So it's, um, it's, it is. So this, yeah. a lot of the characteristics determine whether someone's successful or not. Yeah. Well, Brenda, this has been exciting. You've really covered a lot of ground and great experience. Uh, hats off to you for getting the insights to really be effective at the top of the heap here with, uh, with this particular area of recruiting. Any other thoughts or words of advice to perhaps our students who are 
thinking through their way of an early career? First of all, congrats to you on starting this. So this is such a great program. Um, there's so many resources out there. So it's a great opportunity for your students to be a part of this. So I think really getting exposed to the best out there, be a passionate student, study brands, how are they engaging? What are the new tools? What does customer centricity mean? There's so much out there, even on the internet. Cause I kind of went through myself and was surprised at what's out there in terms of how to become a chief customer officer, which I thought this was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Be obsessively customer centric. Learn to collaborate easily. Be open to customer feedback. It's not what you want it to be. It's what the customer wants. Work closely with the frontline team. Show value by rising up to the position. And build a foundation behind you so we can sustain this. I thought this was great. So well, That's fascinating. I don't know where you got that, but that's a, that's a great set of attributes. Yeah, and, and it really sums up everything we've talked about. So for the students, I would go back to intern, intern, intern. Yeah, great advice. You know, and build. This is the time right now where you can go work at a an agency, work at a data science company, just become a passion, passionate student of this topic. Yeah. Get as many experiences as possible. P&G, classic, you know, classic branding experience and all the different functions that play together and then kind of figure out, okay, where's my personal power alley? What gets me excited? But again, networking and getting that exposure. Yeah. That's such great advice. And I think every time you're in one of those different intern type assignments, I would just say one more thing, be in the moment. And really, you know, when you're in the moment there versus thinking, is this really going to get me to where I'm going? Forget that stuff. Ask questions. Ask Ask questions, questions, be curious, and in the moment, really understand how would the customer view this role, right? I mean, I think there's a set of customer questions you could always be asking in any job. And if it feels like it's really disconnected, then... A good example would be even if you're uh, even if you're uh, in a finance uh, career trajectory and you're looking at what you do as an intern, perhaps I would ask questions like, "Is anybody looking at these reports I'm creating? Who is the customer of these reports? And this customer mindset, and what do they really want?" And you would be surprised. Well, you may not be surprised, but many times people get into tasks that they don't really have a customer. We just, that's what we do. We, we hit a button and, but no one, no one's actually looking at the reports. Why are we doing this? (laughs) Why are we doing this? So I think every intern opportunity, if even if it, if it is, it doesn't feel like it's connected directly to a customer has customer of the work and being a passionate, curious of who is my customer on all these things. What a great career question to put into everything you do. Right. And kind of why is this happening and what not to do. So every set of experiences, you know, if you're bringing that customer-centric lens to it, can help inform. Yes. And the last thing I'd say on that is the the power to experiment. Give yourself the ability because in all aspects of Agile is trying things, you know, short sprints, get it out there, get a minimum viable product and see how it responds. And I think that could be used in any type of function any type of role, any type of level is to have the courage to don't be afraid of failure. It it may not work. That's okay. Totally. Totally. But I think we're also on the cusp of real customer centricity as we look at the population and say, are we really being authentic 
the way that we're engaging with, you know, the new world and who's out there in terms of the emerging importance of the Hispanic customer is mm-hmm. huge. Are we engaging the way we need to be? It seems that we've almost been homogenous in the past. And, and so right now there's just a huge opportunity to really understand. Yeah, that, that's the importance of understanding uh, ethnographies, being an anthropologist, really understanding human nature and what's changed. And I can tell you from experience of the when COVID started to really hit and the, being on the ASTA board, the challenges you got uh, from customers, do you enforce a mask? These were all ended up being questions rooted in your values and very much an HR uh, operations, customer, we all had to engage in these conversations at a pretty high level because it reflects your brand. And, and like you said, today's customers are so clear when you're not authentic. They, are so, they find out fast, they talk fast, they share fast. And that is one of the roles I do think the chief customer officer can bring is that real clear understanding of what's authentic for us. And so it, it being true to that brand across all those pieces like you said, that conversation is now happening at a much greater level than we've ever seen before. Yeah. And the whole importance of purpose-driven, mission-driven, culture, authenticity. I mean, it's a great time to engage. Yeah. Great time. Well, I'm sure you will probably get some raving fans out of this that might be calling you up and saying, uh, (laughs) (laughs) future candidates. Future candidates. So there's no harm in that. And I hope that uh, you continue with great success that you're, what you're doing. And I, I just have always enjoyed talking to you because you do have a broad view of what's really happening at the C-suite, especially as you go through these transitions. And so Great uh, time talking to you, Brenda. I hope that re-experience New York in a brand new way now that you're kind of coming back. (laughs) No, great. And Andy, again, congratulations. There's no better leader. So the school is lucky to have you on this initiative. So yes, thank you. All right. You just listened to an amazing conversation with Brenda Malloy. As a senior level recruiter for leading retailers, Brenda brings a deep level of knowledge regarding the CEO and Chief Customer Officer roles. From her insight in this episode, we learn that companies with a customer-centric CEO are proving more successful. Successful CCOs have an authentic passion for the customer experience. And students that are interested in the CCO role, they need to become obsessed with the customer experience and focus on it in every position or internship. That's it for this episode of It's a Customer's World. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I'd be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's a Customer's World podcast is a product of the University of Arkansas Customer-Centric Leadership Initiative and a Walton College original production.